I'm Marianne Kolbisek McGee, Executive Editor at Information Security Media Group. Today I'm speaking with Kim Hirsch, Advisory Team Leader at consulting and software firm Fusion Risk Management, about some of the top mistakes healthcare sector entities make in their security risk management programs. So, Kim, based on what you see, what are some of the top mistakes that healthcare sector entities make in their security risk management practices and approaches? Yeah, the biggest mistake is that I think that people still think that it won't happen to them. Increasingly, even relatively small healthcare providers are, in fact, being hit by ransomware and the like because they can present as pretty easy targets. So that really isn't a great thought to have these days. So that means that a lot of times they're not really being rigorous enough in their approach. IT security is an increasingly complicated area of specialization. Systems have to be tested and vetted very thoroughly, and often breaches occur because what seems like an obvious mistake or oversight that is discovered after the fact. And we also find that many healthcare organizations are behind the times on systems that they continue to use and the necessary patching. You can't really let that get ahead of you these days, or bad actors are going to do the same. Kim, what about their third-party security risk practices? Are there certain weaknesses or certain mistakes that you see them making? I think that that's a really important question um, because that is, in fact, a a substantial area of risk. You know, if you remember the the big target breach a few years ago, that was really caused by inadequate security between the retailer and a relatively small HVAC contractor, of all things. So I think you really do need to have a very robust third-party security program. Um, Every organization should know their contractors and put them through their paces. Make sure they're meeting the highest standards, and as much as you can, test them to ensure what they say is, in fact, what they do. If you're looking for guidance on that, uh, the FDA actually has a lot of guidance documentation available, so that's a great place to start if you don't know what else to do. And I'd also encourage extensive collaboration with others in this industry. You know, one of the great things about being in my field of, of crisis and continuity is that most practitioners truly believe there's no competition in crisis. We want to protect other people's lives that we're talking about here and are willing to share information and best practices. So, you know, don't be afraid to ask others for their guidance and expertise. So, Kim, you mentioned the FDA having guidance. When we drill down and look at medical device security risk, healthcare entities are notorious for holding on to legacy medical devices for many years, including sometimes after their vendors are no longer supporting the software contained in these devices. What is your advice to healthcare sector entities about reducing security risk posed by these legacy devices. What is your advice in terms of medical device vendor risk management? You know, there's no mystery why this is a storyline on a lot of television shows because it's scary to people personally and it really doesn't seem outside the realm of possibility and, in fact, I think is being proven not to be. Some legacy devices are still being used because they're the only option, but that's not always true. So where they can be replaced, they should immediately be replaced. If a manufacturer is no longer supporting the software, unless there's just no other alternative and its continued use is critical, there's just no reason why you should continue to use it in this situation. But if you do have to, you've got to be proactive. Don't wait for manufacturers to come to you. Reach out to them to find out what they're doing about IT security threats. And if you don't like the answer, use your leverage as a buyer to pressure them to do the right thing. Because remember, you can't outsource risk. While you might think that you can blame a third party if a problem arises, it's just not that simple. Consumers are going to assign blame and probably litigation to everyone involved. Security is a co-responsibility between you and your partners. 
So, you know, for a lot of these legacy devices, you can't do a lot about something that's already in place, but you really need to consider which devices to purchase going forward and be sure that you're partnering with manufacturers that consider cybersecurity during the design phase of the medical device lifecycle. If third parties that you work with have a proactive risk-based approach from the beginning, they're going to usually fare better over time and be better partners to you throughout the device lifecycle. But always test the information that they give you. Um, the old phrase, trust but verify, absolutely applies here. And what about other IT suppliers in the healthcare sector, supply chain, the big picture, the ecosystem there? Are there any other sorts of IT products or components that are often a source of risk that might be underestimated in the healthcare sector, you know, beyond the medical devices? I think that, that a lot of especially legacy companies like, like we have with healthcare that have been doing um, something for a lot of years are going to have legacy devices that they're using within their own walls as well. So not just things that they're necessarily implanting in others, but within their own operations. Again, you'll have a lot of things that just aren't undergoing rigorous security updates. They might not have a lot of built-in security when, when you're connecting to the internet, things like that. So it's not very, very different, but, but I think you need to consider not only the devices that might be bringing you liability through your patients, but also any devices, any systems that maybe, you know, your doctors or surgeons are comfortable using, but are behind the times in the security postures. Now, Kim, what about cyber insurance? We've seen a lot of ransomware attacks on the healthcare sector, as well as other cyber attacks. Do you think some healthcare entities are beginning to over-rely on their cyber insurance as a safety net? Is complacency in security risk management practices and programs starting to set in at all? Because some entities think that, well, you know, cyber insurance will help bail us out if we have a problem. Yeah, I really think that everyone right now is over-relying on cyber insurance, not just this industry, but most industries, especially in light of recent cases of refusal to pay all or a large part of associated costs. Major insurance companies like Zurich refuse to pay out for not pet yet tax, for example. There are many reasons why, but it's really important to know what they will and won't cover when you read your own coverage. It's apparently common that most policies are limited to attacks and unauthorized activity and do not include coverage from accidental errors or omissions. So if your insurer can figure out a way to point to human error and refuse to pay your claim, they're going to do that. It's also apparently true that if they do pay, they're going to limit to paying out losses during actual network interruption, but not for the entire period of business disruption, which can often be much, much longer. But most importantly, reputation isn't covered by insurance. Public trust isn't covered by insurance. So over the long run, things like this can be the most damaged, especially when you're thinking about healthcare and that the, a person really, really needs to trust their provider and whomever or whatever their doctor is associated with. That's not even factoring in if your breach ends up releasing personally identifiable or confidential health information, you're really likely never to recover from that sort of incident. Kim, are there other sorts of examples of complacency that you see when it comes to security risk management in the healthcare sector? I, I think that there's just been a history of complacency because none of this is really new. There were presidential directives around critical infrastructure security and resilience, including the healthcare and public health critical infrastructure sector released in 2013. There aren't excuses to be complacent and your clients and community are going to hold you responsible if and when you fail this test. So 
So you really need to have a strong information foundation to build off of and make these decisions. If you don't have a software solution that allows you to track and connect relevant data points from your system and associated disaster recovery plans, you're not going to be prepared when you're hit. These things take a lot of hard work to get right, and you need to have it ready to go and thoroughly tested before you're, you are actually hit and you have a need or you have no chance of a fast, effective recovery. Especially because a lot of the recent attacks or ransomware related, it's extremely important to put a plan into place and know how you're going to respond. You know, how much, if any, are you willing to pay? If you don't pay, can you afford to start over and rebuild systems from scratch, as some companies have been forced to do? Um, do you have backup systems to use in recovery that are actually separated so that the attack vector can't flow through both sides? These are things that people need to think about now because there isn't going to be time to think about it after it happens to them. And finally, Kim, if there's one suggestion that you have for healthcare sector entities in terms of improving their third-party security risk management in the new year, is there one top thing that you would recommend them doing that you might see often overlooked? I really think that the biggest thing that you can do is get to know your third party. Uh, well, not just through contracts, but through testing, through making sure that, that what they say that they can and will do is what they can and will do. So doing tests along with your most critical vendors is really, really an important thing. It's, it's not an easy thing, but when we're talking about the issues that we're talking today, it's extremely important and something that's well worth your time. Thanks, Kim. I've been speaking to Kim Hirsch. I'm Marianne Kolbesak-McGee of Information Security Media Group. Thanks for listening.